Morning, church. Morning to those of you watching online as well. We're continuing the series you saw from introduced by that video again. We're in our, I think, our fourth or fifth message, a fifth message maybe, but just in the third chapter. So we'll get there in a minute if you have a copy of the Bible on your uh, lap, in your phone, or on your phone, you can open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where we will be this morning. You know, at the heart of the human condition is a desire to grow, right? All of us uh, in life want to grow emotionally, to grow emotionally, to grow spiritually, to grow personally, even professionally. We want to know more. We want to have new experiences. I think we come into this world wanting to do important things with our lives. I want to do important things with our lives. Today, you know, in this this age of tremendous information, we have, there's sort of a self-improvement industry that happens in the world today. I'm talking about self-help books, seminars, life coaches, etc. Today, that what's called the self-improvement industry is $11 billion a year, okay? $11 billion a year. We are as a culture, maybe not everyone in this room, but we are as a culture obsessed almost with finding fulfillment, finding happiness, finding meaning, right? And we are no different, we, we, that is Christians, and the Corinthians here, where we are and have been for the last month, we're no different either. We'll find out, as we look into this passage more this morning, they viewed their Christian faith, maybe you do, maybe I do, as a means for achieving this personal growth. But the problem was, that's being talked about here, is they were trying to achieve this personal growth, this desire that we all have, young and old, to want to grow personally, spiritually, emotionally, right, to make a difference in the world. They were trying to achieve this growth, you might say, the world's way. Well, what's the world's way? Well, the quick summary would be climbing a ladder, and either you are going to help me climb that ladder, or you need to get out of the way, okay? That's the world's way. This letter was written, I mentioned this before, about five years after the Apostle Paul had founded this church. And he was there for, I think, 18 months. For a guy like him, that's a long time. The church of Jesus Christ was brand new. He, had, he was sort of the only person pretty much who had this information. He and his, you know, the other apostles. This was brand new. He was the one starting these churches. He didn't have the luxury. God didn't call him to go to one place and stay there. In many cases, if you read the book of Acts, he's in some places for a week or two and he's gone. Here, under the providence of God, he stays for close to a couple years and founds this church, establishes a congregation, continues a correspondence. But in this letter, it's been written about five years later, okay, He finds out things aren't working so well. This desire to grow personally, this desire to grow spiritually, this desire to grow that he had encouraged and laid out some groundwork, appointed some elders, started a congregation. It wasn't working so well. And what he hears 
right through a letter, what he hears, first chapter one, secondhand through some people who reported to him, who came perhaps to Rome where he was and said, this is what's going on in the church you started, was that people were not growing and actually they were moving backwards in this congregation. Have you ever felt like that in your life? It's a question I want to itch, a scratch I want to itch this morning. Whether you've been a Christian for a year or two years, 20 years, 40 years, 50 years, depending on how old you are. But if you're ever in a season in your life, you say, you know, I've been, I've been at this for a while, for the last two years, five years, I don't really feel like I'm growing. Sometimes I feel like I'm moving in the wrong direction. Okay? So the Apostle Paul is talking about here. In this passage we're going to read, part chapter 3, you might say it's kind of a tough love conversation about people who want to grow spiritually but aren't growing. He tries to redirect them to some core principles of their faith. It's a message I've titled, borrowed the title, Mere Christianity. Okay, Mere Christianity from that famous C.S. Lewis book. What does mere Christianity mean? It means, what is Christianity stripped down to its core? Okay, Let's get out of some of the peripherals and some of the secondary or tertiary things. What is mere Christianity? Because he's saying to this congregation, I think you're missing the point. I think you've strayed from the path of growth that you're looking for. So let's read the first 11 verses 1 Corinthians chapter 3, follow along as I read. The Apostle Paul. Brothers and sisters, very important you get that, talking to Christians throughout this book. I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Now that's very important. We're going to end the service there today. You're saying you can be a Christian, a brother and sister, and not live by the Spirit According to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the answer is yes. Okay. It doesn't mean you don't have the Spirit. It means you're not living by the Spirit. But as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, Jealousy and quarreling among you. Are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? That is, people who perhaps aren't Christians. You are, but you're not acting like it. For when one says, I follow Paul, he heard this secondhand, and another, I follow Apollos, is sort of pride, right? Are you not mere humans, beings? What after all is Apollos? the guy who came, a leader, a minister who came after Paul. And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos came later and watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. You are God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, church planter, and someone else is building on it. But each one, essence of the message, should build 
with care. He's talking about your life. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay? Mere Christianity. What's he trying to say? First principle of this core path of what it means to grow, the Apostle Paul wants to say, is God is the source of what your heart truly longs for, right? God is the source, or ask yourself the question, if he is, should be, of what your heart truly longs for. This paragraph, at least the first one anyway that we read, it's, I don't know how you could read this and not think it's kind of a rebuke, right? Imagine someone saying to you, maybe your pastor, maybe your friend, maybe your spouse, maybe you're, if you're in a, in a group with some other Christians that you trust, and say, listen, I'd love to talk to you as if you were someone who walked and lived by the Spirit. I'd love to do that. I'd like to talk to you as an adult. But frankly, you're an infant. Okay? That's not a compliment. Okay? You're not, it's an infant. It's kind of a rebuke, but I would suggest to you in this whole chapter in this book, it's an act of love, right? Like a parent would say to a child. Because he says there's a divisiveness that's happening here, right? I know this, jealousy and quarreling, right? That's not a, those aren't compliments. There's a divisiveness that's happening. There's an elevation of leaders. That's what he means. You'd almost think this is written for the 21st century. You know, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, you know, you know long before social media. But that's what's happening here. There's an elevation of leaders that shows, right, when there's divisiveness, there's quarreling, there's jealousy, right? It shows that the gospel of Jesus Christ has not taken root in their lives. That's what he's warning when I say, the source of what your heart truly longs for is God. If the gospel has truly taken root in your life, it doesn't happen over one day. But see, the gospel confronts you with your pride, of your pride, confronts you with the things that aren't true about you. It's a leveler. You've heard this, this phrase, uh, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. It means it doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're good looking, if you're fancy, if you grew up in the right family, or you're, you're, you're the opposite of those things. The gospel brings everybody to a level playing field. But the fact that there was jealousy, the fact that there was quarreling, the fact that there was this elevation of leaders, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I'm a part of this group, right, shows that the gospel had not taken root in their life. If you truly understand the gospel, okay, subtitle of this whole series, Seeing All of Life Through the Gospel, and you learn to apply it to your life every day, right, every day, the gospel is not only the way into the Christian life, it's the way through the Christian life. If you learn to apply the gospel and you see yourself and others through the gospel, you see, I see other people through the gospel, through the love of God that's given, that's free, that's not earned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for rotten sinners like me, like you, like the people that offend me, like the people that I have offended, we're all in the same boat, okay? Once you see the gospel this way, you see yourself this way, you see others this way, you would never put anyone on a pedestal, okay? You wouldn't put anybody on a pedestal. 
Not your minister, not your spouse, not your favorite Bible teacher. Listen, not your favorite politician. Nobody. And Paul says, listen, the fact that you are doing that, the fact that there's jealousy and quarreling, even among the ministers in the church, shows that the gospel is not taking root in your life. I, like you, I think, most of you maybe, was, it was impossible for me to get through this week and not hear about the marriage breakup news of Tom Brady and his wife, Giselle. Okay? It was everywhere. So I, saw, I actually saw it on Twitter. Someone sent me this thing on Twitter, and it was a, it was a, um, a discussion. I think it was a, of some kind of you know, morning news program. You know, and there's commentators, like you'd be commentating about a football game, right? But these commentators, you know, Morning Joe, that wasn't it, but Morning Joe, something like that, okay? They're talking about this famous celebrity divorce. And it was all good natured, you know, as crazy as that sounds, you know, and talking about this and talking about that. But then this one woman, part of this panel, she got serious and she said, listen, the fact that we're even, she's I'm a married woman. The fact that we're even talking about this is, let's all admit this is, this is kind of silly and crazy. These people are going through a divorce. But they're very high-profile celebrities, so that kind of comes with the territory. Okay? And kind of way we should be ashamed of ourselves, but it kind of comes with the territory. But she said, since we're talking about it, she said, maybe l- l- let's make the, l- let's agree that putting people like this on a pedestal, no matter how important they are, no matter how rich they are, no matter how famous they are, no matter how good-looking they are, is a stupid idea. Let's all agree that this was a stupid idea. That people, even as successful as they are, and even as, as wonderful and, 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 and beautiful as they are as people, have the same problems and challenges that all other married people have. Let's not secretly be uh, happy that they're falling apart. Maybe we should pray for these people. Okay, that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here in a manner of speaking. The best people will disappoint you. Not because they intend to, right? Always. Not because they fail, although sometimes they do. Often they do. But because they are not capable of meeting the truest longings of your heart. That's why. That's why, if, we're, if we think about it, that's really at the heart of many marriages that break up or many relationships that don't last of one kind or another. Because God is the source of what your heart truly longs for, nobody else. Now, does God use, God most certainly uses people, okay, in your life and in my life. But here's what he says twice in this passage. Only God makes things grow. Only God can make you grow. And if you're looking to someone else, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, fill in the blank, you will be disappointed. And you will not grow. And maybe at some point, you'll even walk away from the faith because you've been attached to something that's not a a, a source of growth in your life. Only God makes things grow. Unless you learn to ground your hopes, mere Christianity, and expectations in the gospel, 
Each one should be careful how they build their lives, for no one can lay any other foundation than the one that has already been laid for you. It's Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. Okay? No one else. You will be disappointed, and you will not experience the growth you desire. C.S. Lewis, the guy who really uh, wrote the book, Mere Christianity. Most people, if they really looked into their own hearts, would know that they do want and want acutely something that cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you. But they never quite keep their promise. The longings that arise when we first fall in love or first think of some foreign country or first take up some subject that excites us are longings which no marriage, no travel, no job, no learning can ever really satisfy. Okay? The solid food you're looking for. When he says this, you know, uh, uh, you wanted solid food, but I, I couldn't give it to you. You're still not ready. He's responding to what he had heard. Okay? He's not just cooking this up. He had been said through this person in chapter 1. He said, here's the report. People aren't doing so well, and they're not very, uh, they're not very excited about you, Paul. They think that your message is very simple, Jesus Christ and him crucified. They want to move on to some more sophisticated teaching. They're tired of the milk. They want some meat. Okay? That's what Paul's responding to. You want solid, the solid food you're looking for? What is the solid food? It's a metaphor. I'm going I'm to fill in the blank. I don't know exactly. What. what is the solid food? It's wisdom for living. It's things like self-control. Okay? It's the deeper transformation of character. Right? Deeper transformation of character. Christ's likeness, that's the solid food. It only comes from a life built on the foundation of the gospel. That's what he's trying to say. What is mere Christianity? This is it. God is the source of what your heart truly longs for, or he should be. Everything else you go to will disappoint you. In some ways, it may crush you. Right? It may crush you. My small group met this week, and we just finished a study. It wasn't on this book, but it was just a study that we did together on an Old Testament book of the Bible. But it ended with this question. It's the last question of, of, of a series of weeks, and it said this. Think about what you're facing in your life right now, and then come up with a passage of Scripture. What passage of Scripture can you pray today? Anywhere in the whole Bible. And, you know, we had about 10 people, so we didn't all go around. But this was my verse, Psalm 143, verse 8. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. Leave that verse up there. Why would I like that verse? There's some things going on in, in my life right now that I'm really looking for God to show me the way, right? I want, things I want to, areas I want to grow in, right? God, I need some help. But the reason I love this verse is what comes first, see, is the gospel, right? Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. 
right? That's where it starts. That's where it starts. Is God the source of what you truly long for? Let the morning every day, I want before my feet hit the ground, Lord, bring me word of your unfailing love. Help me to know that you are the true source of my, what my heart truly longs for. That the only thing that can bring about change in me is a greater experience and understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's mere Christianity. Right? That's what God's saying to you, what he's saying to me. Second thing in this passage, mere Christianity point two, you might say. What you do with your life will matter in eternity. That's what Paul's saying. Heavy passage. What you do in your life every single day, does it matter what you, what you do for a living? What you do with your life will matter in eternity. Verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation, right? The foundation is Christ. It's the gospel. We just got done with that. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, okay? Making a simple comparison. Their work, your work, my work, will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. He's talking about some kind of end of life judgment. If what has been built survives, the builder, that's you, that's me, will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss but yet will be saved. You can't lose your salvation. You're not talking about whether you be, go from being saved to unsaved. He's saying, as Christians, brothers and sisters, what you do with your life matters in eternity. How you build on the foundation of Christ matters. And there is a day that's coming, a judgment day, Christians too, where this will be evaluated. Okay? This will be evaluated. Only God can make things grow, but we have to participate in that growth every day of our lives. Each one of us has been called to build our lives on a foundation with God over time. It's a serious endeavor, verse 10, but each one should build with care, okay? Each one should, what are you doing with what you've been given? What am I doing with what I've been given? It's appointed unto men once to die and then comes the judgment. That's not written for non-Christians. It's written for everybody. I hope I live to be 93, but I have no guarantee I'm going to live past the end of today. Either do you. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with what God has given you? Be, but each person should build with care. Now, this, this talk of fire, I think Paul's just being, you know, as if you're escaping through the flames. He's just being a preacher here. If you're a Christian, you have no, no, you will never see the judgment of God in that sense, right? Jesus Christ bore the judgment of your sin. There, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is no, therefore no condemnation. Zero to those who are in Christ Jesus. Zero. Okay? No matter what you or I do, our failures, our sins, our shortcomings. This is the beauty of the gospel. There's no condemnation. But there is a thing of, called lack commendation. Two times in this passage, verse 8 and verse 14, he talks about a reward. I don't know what that reward is. 
No idea. But everyone will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You and I, this is mere Christianity. What you do with your life matters, and it matters in eternity. Now this metaphor, the, the, these, this simple idea, verse 12, these, this is, these, these are images, this is a metaphor. He's just trying to make a point. If anyone builds on this foundation, talking about building your life, with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, very simple metaphor, there are some kinds of materials that are going to endure, right? Let's say the fire, it's a metaphor. A sense of, they're going to endure, they're going to, they're going to last beyond your life, and there are other kinds of common materials, wood, hay, and straw, that will not endure. That's all he's trying to say. It's not that tough. The kind that endure are going to last beyond your life. The costly stones represent materials, I think this is what he's trying to say, that are compatible, compatible with the foundation. That's all. That's Jesus Christ. And the common materials, the wood, hay, and straw, you might say the world's values and the world's wisdom, because that's what we've been talking about in this book, right? Building your life on the world's values. It's a ladder. Get out of my way. If that's the way you're living your life, it's going to be burned up, okay? The Christianity, self-help Christianity. It's not going to send you to hell because all of, you know, Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for your sins. The beauty of the gospel. It's not what he's talking about. He's saying whether or not you're, light, you're building a life that matters, whether or not you're building a life that's, in, that's in, in, in concert, you might say, with the compatible with the foundation of Jesus Christ that's going to matter. That's what he's trying to say. But each one should build their life with care. I had an opportunity to sit down with a friend of mine. Some of you know him, some of you don't. Jeff Miller been a part of this church, his wife Becky and kids for many years. This is just this week because he got a new job and we wanted to just catch up, or, or I should say promotion. But we, um, it was kind of a catch-up conversation. About six years ago, as a young man, young in my vision, I'm going to say he's about 40, maybe, around six years ago, he was at the top of his game, worked for a Fortune 500 company, was a vice president, making a lot of money. He was a guy that in that industry would have said he's in a rare uh, echelon of people who's going to be, um, make it to a high, high, rare level of professional success and money. And he said, and he made a change, a very hard right turn six years ago. And I said, tell me more about that. I don't remember. And he said, well, here's what happened. Short story. He had to go to Tokyo on a trip. It's a 48-hour trip to Tokyo. That's what people do in this kind of work. And he said he went there. The people weren't really even that prepared for the meeting. And it was his daughter's birthday. And he missed another one of his daughter's birthdays. And he came home with no job. Nope. And he just said to his wife, I want, I'm, I want out. It's not worth it. She said, okay, quit his job. I said, what'd you do? He said, well, for the next three months, you know, his wife has a job too. He said, I started doing some of the things that she did, although she also worked, right? You know, I did the laundry and ran the kids around. And, and later, a few months later, he ended up getting a job 
with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. But I asked him these questions, right? But each one should build with care. Are you building your life in concert in, that's incompatible with the foundation you've been given? What made you leave a successful career when you did? So I just asked Jeff these questions. My priorities were out of alignment. God blessed me with an amazing wife and two awesome kids. I was not being, six years ago, the husband and father that I knew God wanted me to be. I was definitely living of the world in many respects. In what significant ways did your life change in the last five years? I asked him. My walk with the Lord has grown immeasurably. I was discipled by some amazing men of God who lived out their faith in a way I could model going forward. I learned the importance of spiritual disciplines and how to build on that strong foundation daily. Life became simpler, which in part was driven by less income. Our joy and happiness was increasing while our income was decreasing. In what ways does your life feel different today than it did six years ago? I understand living, quote, in the world, but not of the world, in a way I was blinded to before. I make my time with the Lord a priority. I make time with my family a priority. And while I have significant work responsibilities still today, my relationship with the Lord and my family come first. While I am, certain more physic- while I am certainly more physically present than I was When I was traveling full time, I am way more relationally present today as well. Last question. What are your best hopes for the life you're building in the future? That God would be glorified through what he has been doing in my life. That he would lead me to be a husband that honors my wife in every way. A loving and godly father to our amazing children. A friend and a neighbor who reflects Jesus by serving as they need, okay? What you do with your life matters in eternity, okay? Whether you're a high school student, young mom, dad, grandpa, professional, it doesn't matter, right? God is the source of what your heart truly longs for. That's 101, If you don't get that, you're never going to get anywhere. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love for I've put my trust in you. Show me the way that I should go. Right? Show me the way that I should go. But it begins with being rooted in the gospel. There is no other foundation that can be laid that is Jesus Christ. Every single person in this life will disappoint you. And sometimes they... There's, there's fault and sin there, but sometimes you're asking something from them that they could never give you, right? Never give you. Only God can be the source of what your heart truly longs for. You need to build your life on Him, and what you do with your life matters, and you and I make decisions every single day. Be careful how you build. Make sure it's compatible with the foundation. Because the day is coming. 
Okay? It's not meant to scare you. I think Paul's, Paul's not trying to scare them. He's trying to encourage them. Say, life is short. Make it matter. Right? Because there's a, there's a, it matters in eternity. This life is nothing compared to the life to come. And you and I, every person, will give account of themselves before God. What have you done with what you've been given? It's not about condemnation. That's what the cross is about. He's bore our condemnation. But it is about commendation. And God wants to say to you and say to me, well done. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He's not talking, he's talking to the, to the church here. Same letter, same congregation, second letter. So that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. It's mere Christianity. Last but not least, the church of Jesus is the dwelling place of God. (laughs) Verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. Kind of being a little, um, you know, a little strong talk here. God's not going to destroy anybody. He's just making a point. Be careful how you treat each other. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Now, why does he end here? Because there's jealousy and quarreling and fighting going on. Saying, oh my goodness, what are you doing? The gospel hasn't taken root in your life because if the gospel took root in your life, you'd understand that this person, that, that you, first of all, you're a sinner. I don't care how, if you went to a better school than they did, if you had better parents than they did, so to speak, all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. The ground is level at the foot of the cross and the gospel should humble you. And you not only see yourself that way, you look at other people that way, Okay? There should be no such thing as jealousy and quarreling, right? You should see all people as God does. Not only that, they're sacred. They're sacred. All the pronouns uh, in in this passage, the you pronouns, are plural. For for, For God's temple is sacred, and you together, not by yourself. Sometimes we think Christians just so, I just stay home, I don't need to come to church. I just do my own thing, right? People, you know, the Christianity's great, it's the people that bother me, you know. I mean? Well, you are that temple. And those people that get, that are imperfect, that may offend you, they're sacred. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. You don't need to do for Tom and Giselle. You need to pray for them. Okay, the people that bug you, don't root for their failure. Pray for their healing. Pray for their success, right? Become a part of it. This is mere Christianity. Now listen, is it easy? No. Is it simple? Yeah. It's straightforward. It's not easy. God is a source of what your heart truly longs for. Reset your heart every day and you'll live freer and clearer, and you'll be a better lover of people around you. What you do with your life really matters in eternity, right? 
That's a decision you make every single day. What you do, you're building a life. How are you doing? What are you building on? You're building on superficial things. Jeff's a great example. Jeff came to a place midlife. He said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to build on these, 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 these materials that are basically going to burn up me nothing. I'm changing course and I'm doing it today. Okay? In the church of Jesus Christ as a dwelling. So this is how I want to end our time. Stand on your feet. We're all done and almost here. I just want to end this service by praying for each other, okay? I'm talking 60 seconds or so. Paul says this, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but people who are still worldly. He's talking to Christians, but he's saying I have to be honest with you. There's something standing in your way. You're not living by the Spirit. What does it mean? You're not depending on the Spirit. What do you mean? I mean, I'm, I'm not living by the Spirit. It's like I'm plugged in or not plugged in. Something standing in the way. Maybe it's the wrong values system. You need to set some values down that you've been holding on to. Maybe it's some grudges. I don't know. Maybe it's some bitterness. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's envy, right? It's a long list. And we all have that. But he's saying, listen, I want you to live by the Spirit. And you do that together. This is what I want to do, just for a minute. Just, if you're with someone you know, you know, okay, you don't need to introduce yourself, right? Kathy, Larry, Larry, Kathy, okay, you're done, right? Okay, you don't need to know each other. But maybe you're around somebody you don't, it's okay. All you need to do is just say your first name. My name is Harry, okay? That's it. My name is Rob. And just, if it's okay, put your hand on their shoulder. God knows. Pray for them. Lord, I pray for my brother, my sister, my friend. I pray that if there's anything they need to let put down in their life, that the Spirit, they might live by the Spirit. Okay, help them to put it down. So let's just pray for each other. If you like to pray out loud, I want to hear a holy hum, do it. If you don't, it's okay. I'm going to close this in about 60, 70 seconds. Let's pray. Go ahead. Let's do it. God and Father, I just come to you. Lord, I, I pray you would hear these prayers, that they would be a sweet offering to you, Lord, that you would hear and answer them. Help us begin with this pastor. 
to come to you as the source of what my heart truly longs for, to re-dedicate, to re-engage in the, in the fullest way my heart with the foundation of Jesus Christ. May the gospel come alive in me more. May the gospel come alive in each of us more fully and freely. Lord, help us to see ourselves the way you do. Help us to see others through the eyes of grace. Lord, help us then to see that our lives are a gift we've been given. We have an opportunity to build our lives in, 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 in ways that are in line, Lord, with your priorities, with your will. Help us to do that. Help us to be the church of Jesus Christ, a place, Lord, not of, of, of um, people who live like the world does, but who lives like Jesus, more like Jesus does, more like Jesus showed us. We pray, be with us, help us, use us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, thank you so much. Before I send you out the door, um, remind you we have a congregational meeting, our annual meeting uh, once a year, Tuesday, 7 o'clock. See you then. Have a great Sunday.